All right, welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, guys. This is Ryan Lee on the microphone today, and I'm grateful, honored, and excited that you have made the commitment to your path to financial freedom by listening to this podcast today. Today, I have a special treat for you. I'm going to be sharing an interview that I did on the Cubicle to CEO podcast. This podcast is ran by an amazing woman named Ellen Yin. Ellen has such an amazing story that I think a lot of people have in common. She wanted to leave her version of the rat race. And so her podcast, The Cubicle to CEO, is all about her walking away from a fixed income, from a job, from a career to pursue her dreams. So guys, take a listen to this podcast, especially if you've ever wondered how you can walk away from your job, how you can live financially free when you're not financially free. It's a great interview for you guys to to check out. And as always, give us a rating, give us a review, share this with anyone that you feel is that this story, this message would be relevant to. But guys, enjoy the interview with Ellen Yin on the Cubicle to CEO podcast. They don't feel smart enough. They don't feel educated enough. They don't feel sophisticated enough. They don't feel like, you know, anything that they've done has ever worked. And so what happens to most people is they just abdicate their responsibility, abdicate their goals and dreams around money to someone else. And somehow we've been trained, taught and educated by the Wall Street machine to think that some person with acronyms and, and, you know, certifications behind their name is going to somehow care more about the success of your financial plan than you. That is never, ever, ever going to happen. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now, rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. All right, guys, I am pumped because today we have my friend Ryan Lee on the show. He's amazing. You guys Prepare to have your minds blown. So hi, Ryan. Thank you for joining us. Ellen, what is going on? It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you and your audience. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to dive into your story. It's going to be such a fun discussion today. Thank you. And so you guys can't see this video right now unless you're watching this on Facebook. But behind Ryan is the motto for Cashflow Tactics, Rise Up, Live Free. And I think it is such a powerful message about how we are really the creators of our futures, of our destinies. And it's one of the reasons I was so drawn to Cashflow Tactics right from the get-go. So just a little backstory for those of you listening. Um, the reason that I came across Cashflow Tactics is actually last spring, I was in Greece for a business mastermind. And I met this guy named Brad, who is Ryan's business partner. And you know, we, we were having dinner and just discussing you know, what it looks like to create financial freedom for yourself. And he just totally tore apart, I guess, the the um, ideas that I had about what it looks like to actually be an investor and to really build financial freedom and long-term wealth. Because in my mind, up until that point, most of my financial literacy or understanding was rooted in you know what I did in college using Dave Ramsey, um, getting debt free, um, and he just totally showed me a whole new world. And then by meeting Ryan, you know my education in that has increased tenfold as well. So Ryan, why don't you first tell us a little bit about 
what is the movement behind Rise Up Live Free? And and what makes you guys different than all the other financial, you know, educators out there? Yeah, gosh, I, I love that, Ellen. It's such a it's such a deep question, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when we built Cashflow Tactics, we built it with one fundamental purpose in mind: to empower the listener, the person who resonated with this message, with money. And I think if you look out into the world, most people feel very disempowered around the conversation of money. They don't mm-hmm. feel smart enough. They don't feel educated enough. They don't feel sophisticated enough. They don't feel like you know anything that they've done has ever worked. And so what happens to most people is they just abdicate their responsibility, abdicate their goals and dreams around money to someone else. And somehow we've been trained, taught, and educated by the Wall Street machine to think that some person with acronyms and, and you know certifications behind their name is going to somehow care more about the success of your financial plan than you. That is never, ever, ever going to happen. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it now in, in thousands of people that we've served throughout the years inside of Cashflow Tactics. And so when we launched Cashflow Tactics, the reason that we started with this idea and this concept of rising up is you have to rise up. You have to take control. At the end of the day, money is nothing more than just a tool. And if you don't know how to use the tool, like I don't know how to use a, a one of those big saws, like a table saw. I don't know how to use that. Right. So if I go to the table saw and I want to cut wood and make a shelf, I'm going to be a little bit nervous of that table saw. I think I might cut my fingers off. However, if I really want the shelf, then I better become capable and necessary, uh, capable and able to use that saw. Same with your financial plan. You have to realize if you want freedom, it's up to you to take control and make it happen. And that's rising up prefaces living free. Rising up is the requirement to live free. And that's really where Cashflow Tactics, the mindset and the philosophy came from is empowering people with money. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about what it looks like to be in control of your money, right? To be educated and to not just, I guess, leave your financial destiny to an external source, which is when I first heard of the word investing, that's what I thought of because I was overwhelmed, right? Like, like most people listening to this podcast, when I thought of investing, I thought of Wall Street, I thought of stocks, I thought of trading. And I was like, man, I don't, I do not have a, the intellectual like bandwidth or the, the desire to learn all the ins and outs of this crazy complex world. And I thought, okay, so if I don't know how to do this, I better go hire, you know, a, a broker or, yeah. or I'm going to, you know, download an app on my phone. I'm just going to put X amount of money into this account every single month. And I felt good about myself. I was like, I opened a Roth IRA. I was like, I'm on track. I'm putting in money. And so tell us why this is a lie that the financial world tells us that we're doing a great job by, you know, putting our money in every month into these IRA accounts. Why is that not actually investing, so to speak? Yeah. Man, it's so it's such a it's such a loaded question there, Ellen, because right. <laughs> one, um, I think it's a lie because we can look at the results. Like we can look at the results. And if you look and just Google online and just say retirement. There is a massive, massive crisis out there. Like the people who have followed the rules for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, they don't have enough money to retire. They worked, they got their degrees, they put their money in the 401k, they trusted in the stock market, and they don't have enough money to retire. So when we are told to do the same thing that everyone else is doing, even though it's not working, by definition, that is a lie. And I think everyone who comes to our message has experienced that lie in some form or fashion. 
And for me, that's where it started as well. I just like you, Ellen, I followed all the rules. I went to school, I got a job, I got my degree. I've always been a really good saver. And you know, when I got my first college job, I did what I was told to do. I mean, I didn't even question it. It was just social conditioning. Of course, I put my money in a well-diversified portfolio, my 401k, <laughs> and get my company-sponsored match. Of course, that's just what you do. Right. And today, I recognize and realize that that is what we call the cult of the average. The stock market, the, you know, the, the average person and the average group of people are doing something that's not working. And yet, if I plug into that average system expecting extra- extraordinary results... That by definition is the definition of average. And, you know, for me in 2008, I learned the lesson that so many people learned the hard way. You know, I had just crested about $100,000 in my 401k. And I, I remember looking at that thinking, awesome, I'm on track. This is working. Now, I had no idea how much money I needed. And that's a whole different story. But shortly after, you know, I, I crested that $100,000, I lost almost 80% of what I had saved over the last five years during the 2008, you know, market correction. And at that point, I started asking myself some pretty interesting and serious questions. I wanted to be out. I, I did not want to run the corporate rat race for the rest of my life. And I started asking myself, well, what can I do about this? How can I impact the effect of my 401k? And I realized I had zero control. I couldn't do anything other than put money in and hope with my fingers crossed that it was going to work. And that started leading me down the rabbit hole of, well, if I want a greater outcome, if I want to be free faster, how do I take control? And that's when I started to realize that everything that's perpetuated, not everything, but 97% of what's perpetuated out there, we say, I say is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong if you want to be financially free in what we define as 10 years or less. Yes. And that's the the promise really, right? Of cash flow tactics. How do you build a game plan that allows you to be financially free in 10 years or less that's custom to your income, your lifestyle, you know, all of these things. And so for those of you listening, I'm part of Cashflow Tactics Acceleration Mastermind, which is one of their more advanced groups for building a custom game plan. And it's been so eye-opening to see you know, why the old way or the traditional way, the way that everybody tells you to do things, why it doesn't actually work out if you just put pen to paper and do the math. Or yeah. in in your guys' case, do the, do the Excel spreadsheets, yeah. <laughs> as you're known for. Yeah. Um, so I know it's a little hard for you to break down the numbers in a podcast, right? Because it's more of a visual thing. But can you kind of just like high level overview why if you just, you know, follow the traditional path and put the money in, how the numbers don't actually work out for you to be financially free at retirement age or at, you know, a reasonable time yeah. in your life, I guess. Yeah. Well, here's here's the scary part about it, Ellen. You know, in the beginning, when I started looking at this 401k, and I think you came to kind of the same conclusion, I had no idea what winning meant. Winning was this vague idea when I'm 65 of having enough money to be able to walk away. But whoever's listening to this podcast right now, ask yourself, how much money do you need? Like, what is that number? How do you know if you're winning? How do you know if you're on track or off track? And that's the misleading idea around traditional finance. There is no target. There is no winning. You have no idea. It's just this vague idea of one day you'll have enough money. And if we take the finance hat off and put the life hat on, when in any area of your life can you win if you don't understand the rules of the game and how to win the game? Like, you can't win. Right. And that's, that's the fallacy, right? So... You know, if you really now start to go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole and you really start to look at how traditional finance works, you have to dig and dig and dig. 
But if you do that, traditional finance, they don't want you to know this because it's scary and it sucks and the, the numbers really are overwhelming. But traditional finance is based off of what's called a rule of 25. And it's the easiest way to understand that is you take however much money you want to be retired. If I want to have a lifestyle where I spend $100,000 a year or $50,000 a year or a million, once I've picked that number, multiply it by 25. And that's roughly how much money you would have to have to be able to retire. That's how much money you'd have to have in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds to be able to retire. And for me, when I started to do this math, I was making about $100,000 a year. And even though it wasn't my ideal lifestyle, it was, it was fairly comfortable, right? I mean, I could travel. I had a house. I had a car. It was all right. And when I sat down and did that math, $100,000 multiplied by 25, I had to have $2.5 million. And after 5 years of being in the corporate world and going through 2008, I had $28,000 in a 401k. And at that point... Now it's just a rate of return question. Okay, if I have $28,000 and I'm saving $15,000 a year, what rate of return do I have to earn to be free in 5 years, 10 years? And you know, I did the math just right here just so everyone can understand. I wanted to get out of the corporate rat race as fast as I could, starting with $100,000, needing to build that to 2.5 million, saving $15,000 a year. You know what my rate of return was? 68%. I have no idea. <laughs> 68%, is that what you said? 68%. That's crazy. Everybody that's knows. Impossible. Yeah, that's not realistic in the stock. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't I really don't know anything about you know the advanced stock market. But even if you're like a day trader, right, and this yeah. is all you eat, sleep, and breathe, that's still incredible returns. You know what? I mean, looking at the most successful investors, the Warren Buffetts out there, they average around fourteen to fifteen percent. And I knew for sure I'm not a Warren Buffett. Right? <laughs> and we could go down that rabbit hole of the type of investing that they're actually doing, but. I knew that wasn't going to work for me. And as you know, then the only, the only alternative I had was to say, okay, wait, I just have to wait longer. And I started again, then going back and saying, well, maybe it's not going to be 10 years, maybe 15, maybe 20. And I wasn't going to be financially free if everything worked out according to plan until I was 72. And that wow. was just unacceptable to me because then it brings up a whole nother problem. $100,000 today. I know what that does, but 40 years from now, what the heck, man? I don't want to retire in the poorhouse. $100,000 isn't going to really be $100,000 40 years from now. So, I mean, really the reality of it is, if you're following traditional financial advice, the reason we say it's dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong, you'll never get what you want. You'll never win. And then you have one of two questions. You can ask yourself, what are you going to do about it? Or you can start looking external and saying, what's the government going to do about it? Someone owes you something. You've been misled. You've been lied to. Someone else better solve the problem for you. And again, that is not the definition of freedom. So if you want to be free, rise up. Yes. And I, that's something that I really love about what you teach. You know, it's, it's about raising your own financial IQ. Who yeah. do you have to become? Who, who do you have to grow into to have the life that you want to create the results that you want? And I really think that promotes leadership within your, within whether it's your business, your career, your family, your life, like you are owning the accountability for your own results, which I 100% believe in. And, you know, I just want to point out to people, by the way, who are listening to that, you know, high level math that Ryan just did. This is like based on his own his own calculations for someone who was actually doing things the right way, right? Like you weren't drowning in debt. You no. you actually were a great saver. So I this is like, yeah. yeah, this is like a best case scenario. His best case scenario was still not a good scenario. So you can imagine, <laughs> so you can imagine for the majority of Americans who, 
you know, are struggling with student debt who have mortgages and families and maybe have not saved anything at all in their, in their accounts and are, you know, hurtling fast towards, so to speak, retirement age, whatever that means. That can be a really scary place for a lot of people to be in. And I think the concept that you guys taught me that really made me look at investing differently is what is the difference between investing and speculating? Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, without getting too technical with you, I mean, everyone talks about this idea of investing. I'm going to invest in my 401k, right? And that's what I thought I was doing in the beginning. I thought I was investing in my 401k. But investing, if you look it up in you know online... The actual definition of investing is to put place money somewhere with the preservation of your principal and a high return, a high likelihood of the return, earning a positive return on that money. So you're not going to lose money. There's a high likelihood that you're going to earn a positive return on that money. And that indicates that you know what you're doing. That indicates that you have an element of control. That indicates that you have a high level of confidence that your money's not going to go down. It's going to go up. But if you look at how 401k and mutual funds and stock market investing works, it's not really investing. Like you can do all the due diligence that you want. I can, I can do all the research that I want on Apple and think, okay, Apple is the case. I'm going to do it. But the second I press buy and I buy stock in Apple, do I have any control over the outcome? No, I've bought all kinds of iPhones and iPads and all that kind of stuff. But outside of that, I'm not raising the value of Apple. I have no control over that outcome, which means I'm not really investing. I'm speculating. I'm hoping that I'm going to put money somewhere and maybe I'll get some money back. And if you take that same definition a little bit further, let's again take the finance hat off and just put the life hat on. Where do people go to speculate? They go to, they go to Las Vegas. In the, in the financial world, people go to Wall Street to speculate. It's, I'm going to put everything on black and I hope that black's going to be the winning number for me. That's right. the idea. And that's, I think, you know, Ellen, so I want to pat you on the back because you are, you're, not, you're an anomaly in a good way. Um, you started to realize and look at your financial plan and realize that you wanted more. You wanted to have money work as a tool for you to build and live a life that you love. And that's, that's how our past started to cross and our message resonated with you. But where we find so many of our people, right? We find so many of our people in their 40s, late 40s, early 50s, sometimes even their 60s, and they start to look up and they start to, you know, look at this idea that they've had, you know, kind of in the back of their mind of retiring at one point. And in their 40s and 50s and even their 60s, they realize they don't have enough money. And at that point, there's this overwhelming sense of anxiety because they realize they have no idea what to do about it. And then again, it just goes back to this idea. They haven't really invested. They've just speculated for a long, long, long time. And now as they look at this idea of speculating even more and their entire future is dependent on it, it's just filled with depression, anxiety, stress. And then now they feel like the system has worked, worked against them. Absolutely. And you know, I think that... Yes, I can I can totally I can totally see how, you know, the the core demographic that have been attracted to your message are in that situation, but I also think that anxiety around finances is true for younger people too, right? Mm-hmm. Like our generation, millennials, Gen, Gen Z, I feel like we have been saddled with so many of the financial repercussions of what the generations before us chose. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's just incredible to me, the lack of financial education in our public school systems and at home too. You know, most, most of us, like when we're young, we look up to our parents and we think, Oh, they, they have it covered. They know what they're doing. But then as we come into adulthood and, 
you know, really have some of those harder conversations, we realize most people, no one really knows what they're doing. They're just like, they're all just kind of following that same rat race, hoping, like you said, speculating and wishing that it will, it will work out in their favor. Hold of the average, and and exactly. you know, to be honest with you, when when we were when we were building cash flow tactics, you know, we were trying to figure out how do we condense like this comprehensive emotional idea of finance down into a couple of words, and it was so awesome. We we you know, I went and watched the uh, the musical Hamilton, and uh, oh, I'm man, jealous. I felt, <laughs> I felt like that was a song directly to my heart. Like I was so moved, and there was this song inside of there where Alexander Hamilton is taught well. It's he and his wife, and they're singing the song about, hey, eyes up, lift your eyes up and understand what you want. Wise up and realize and understand that the world is conspiring against you if you're going to fall into this average, you know, average type of lifestyle and then rise up, do something about it. And, you know, one of the most beautiful parts about the country that we live in is you have both sides of the equation. You get to see the reality that you choose to see. And most people see the reality of the average and they're stuck in this average mindset and this average paradigm. And they're just hoping that, you know, everything works out and that someone will come to save them. But the people that are willing to do something about it, that's why we put cash flow tactics together. It's not easy, but it's also not hard. It just, it just requires you to start thinking for yourself and to start to take action with a core set of principles behind you. A hundred percent. And let's talk about, you know, some of those solutions then, right? Cause up until this point, maybe people are listening and going, Oh my gosh, like they're freaking out. Wait, you're <laughs> telling me everything is wrong. What do I do? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the, the rise up live freeway, right? What, what does building a solid financial foundation and a game plan to get financially free? What is that? What does that look like? Yeah, man, Ellen, um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna use your story a little bit because I'm I'm so inspired by you. You're just such an inspiring person. The way you built a business, the way you lead other people, the way you're you take time to get clear on what you want. And here's what I I think it takes. It's not hard, but first and foremost, let's just I mean, let's not talk about the finance. I mean, so many of us come up with all these misperceptions around money. There's this emotional attachment to money. And that doesn't serve us when we're talking about money. So first and foremost, to become financially free, don't talk about money. First and foremost, get clear on three questions. What do you want? What do you want? Like, you know, so many people come to us and they don't know what they want. They've never sat down and, and really identified what do they want their life to look like, feel like, and be like. Now, many people come to us because they're in pain. They don't want the pain anymore and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get rid of the pain. But take a moment and start to clearly identify a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. And if you have it right now, awesome. If you don't, get clear on what you want and why it matters to you because that becomes your fuel and your fire to do something about it. Now, being clear on what money is, or excuse me, being being clear on what you want, now we can look at money and say, okay, objectively, money is something, it's just a tool. It's not good or bad. It's just a piece of paper. Now, what it represents is what you're trading your time for, but it also represents the tool that's required to buy your time back. So at that point, the principle-based approach to cash flow tactics is simple. Be clear on what you want, rise up, become, because the only, the only thing that's separating you from where you're at to that person, you know, future-based person that you want to, that you need to be is you. So now I believe your greatest investment isn't real estate. It's not the vault. It's not the tools that we talk about in cash flow tactics. It's investing in your mindset first and foremost, your skill set second and your network third. Those three things will do more for you than any investment I can ever bring to the table. 
once you invest in those three areas, you see a different world. You can then take those mindsets and transact because dollars follow value. You can transact in the world the skill sets that you have and your network will provide a sense of confidence for you or you know, the opposite of that. It will just trap you in the cult of the average. But when I started associating with people that had achieved the dreams that I had, I started to realize if they can do it, I can do it. And what was once scary now became inevitable. So mindset, skill sets, network, that's where it starts. So that's where our foundation starts. And the, the, the symbol behind me, you can see the pyramid, that, that core, that foundation of the pyramid, your best investment is you. And Ellen, you have doubled down on that over and over and over and over again. And you've become a different person. Every time I talk to you, you're a new version of Ellen because you've <laughs> invested in yourself. That's where it starts. Now, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And um, just jumping in real quick yeah. on that. That's something that I tell people all the time when people say like, what is the best way I can spend my money? I'm like, honestly, investing in your mind because... And you said it perfectly. Mindset, skill set, network. Those three things have shaped who I am and what I've been able to achieve. I mm -hmm. owe everything that I've been able to do up until this point to those three things. And your mind can bring you infinite returns. What you what you choose to better yourself with, to to learn an additional skill set. Like anytime I've put in physical dollars to learn a new skill set or to meet a different group of people or to change the way that I think about how I approach a certain thing. Every single time, I've been able to at least 10x my return. And that's not something necessarily tangible that you can like, Oh, I'm just going to calculate this real quick like before I invest. But you cannot really place a dollar amount on an investment in your mind because it will show up in all sorts of ways in your life that are perhaps intangible to a dollar amount. Uh, it's such a beautiful way to say that, Ellen. You know, I think right now, if we're going to date stamp this this podcast, you know, we're we're in COVID right now. I mean, and I think one thing that that the world is learning is whatever income stream they had wasn't quite as stable as they once thought it was. Yeah, and that causes a lot of uncertainty, a lot of trepidation, and again, people looking outside of themselves in most cases for for solutions, government, you know, bailouts and all that kind of stuff. But if you constantly double down on your mindsets, your skill sets, and your network you have something intangible. You have something that creates a sense of certainty inside of you. You know what your unique skills, talents, and abilities are. You know how to take those skills, talents, and abilities and solve problems in the world. And at the end of the day, dollars follow value. The reality of it is right now, people haven't stopped spending money. It's just shifted. It's just gone to where people are solving problems today. And so for you, as you're listening to this podcast, your best investment, the way you create a sense of certainty and, and no, we can never define your return on this, but who can, who wants to define a return on certainty, right? That is an infinite return. So invest in your ability to create and exchange value. That's where it starts. Now, after yes. that, you know, when we first got into the world of, of helping people in their financial plans, I thought it was going to be really easy. You know, you know, some of the people that we rub shoulders with and I thought, Oh, I know how, how much money this guy makes. I'm just going to show him how to take all the money that he's made and turn it into financial freedom. And person after person after person that I met with, I realized, well, these people have made a lot of money, but they haven't kept anything. There's nothing to show for it. Right. And the skill sets required to make money are almost the exact opposite of what it takes to keep the money that you're making. And you know, the tax code and what, what to do with your money, this is where it starts to scare people. And so they just focus on, I'm going to make money, whether it's through a job or a business or whatever it is. And I'm just going to give that money to someone else. And that's where people get trapped. So 
Mm-hmm. Where we come in is we come in with a game plan and say, okay, look, now that you're clear on what you want, let's take a principle-based approach to achieving financial freedom. I don't care how much money you have in a 401k because it doesn't matter. We're going to focus on buying your time back. And this is such a powerful thing. For me, when I first started looking at this, I had $28,000. My burn rate, how much money I was spending per month at that time was about $8,000. And I looked at my $25,000 in a 401k and how much money I was spending per month. And I realized if I took that money out of a 401k, even assuming I could, I only was free for about two months. Mm-hmm. After two months, I would have spent my money on my lifestyle and I would be back to trading time for dollars, which started to open me up to the idea that it didn't really matter how much I have saved up until I understood how that money that I had saved up converted into cash flow, into income. So that is the basis of everything we do inside of Cashflow Tactics is we help people understand how to invest in a way that generates positive, passive income month in and month out. And that's when you own and control your time. And if I can say, look, my burn rate's $8,000 and I have $2,000 of cash flow per month, I know I'm 25% there to being free. That's the whole game. And now I have something I can measure. Now I have something I can track. And now I have something I can win. A hundred percent. I love that because it all comes down to how does your input directly affect the output, right? That is what makes Mm. you a creator of your results or really truly an investor because yeah. you you directly affect the results versus like you said earlier when you're speculating you are just you're an observer you're not a creator of anything that's happening that's so, so powerful Ellen. man you need to come you. over on our tv i would love to have you talking about that that's awesome <laughs> you can borrow that language that's yours it's, it's your product i love it Okay, guys, I warned you, right? I told you Ryan was going to blow your mind and expose the lies you've been told about finances, money, and investing. If you haven't yet, I want to remind you to check out the show notes for two amazing resources to help you fast track your path to financial freedom. First, go join the Cashflow Tactics Facebook group. It's totally free. I'm in there. Ryan's in there. And you can meet a community of like-minded people from all walks of life working toward being financially free. Seriously, this one is a no-brainer. Second, make some time today to watch their free masterclass, How to Build Wealth Without Gambling in the Casino of Wall Street. There is so much value in this class. Trust me, you're going to want to take it. Again, the links to both of these are going to be below in the show notes, as well as on our blog at ellenyin.com slash blog slash episode dash 47. I feel so ridiculous every time I say that. But again, the links will just be below in the show notes. So if you want to scroll and click, you can. it'll take you right there. Let's let's get more into the tangible side of this. Because I know some people listening are probably like, wait, I get the concepts, but I'm a little confused how to actually apply this. So basically... You know, what you guys did with me is you said, okay, let's take your money out of the things that you do not actually have control over. So, you know, my Roth IRAs, my, you know, other savings methods that really were just sitting, sitting money, right? My money was just sitting there like a sitting duck. It wasn't doing any work for me. Um, And we put that into what you guys call the vault, right? Mm -hmm. Which is provides the security of, you know, a place to store your money just like a bank or whatever, where you know your money is not going to fluctuate with the stock market, but that it's also earning a steady about 5% return every single year. And that more importantly, that money isn't just sitting there earning this small return, but that you can actually take 
the money that's existing in your vault and leverage it to go make you more money. So instead of you trading your time for money, you're trading your money for more money. So, so let's talk about what that looks like. And when I say trade, I'm not talking about like, again, this is not the stock market, right? We're not literally trading money on the stock market. When I say trade, I mean like if you have, let's say $1,000 in your vault and you withdraw $500 to go invest in an asset. And in your case, um, most of the people in your community, it's real estate, right? Rental real estate. If you're going to put $500 into this asset, how is this asset going to now produce cash flow for you so that it's not just $1,000 sitting in your vault, but you're actually like tripling that money, right? So so talk a little bit about that. Dang, Ellen. I tell you what, you have embodied this idea of investing in mindset, skill sets, and network. You just explained it so <laughs> beautifully and eloquently. I, here's the thing. I'll never forget when I learned about this. In the beginning, you know, as I started trying to become financially free, I started picking and choosing all of the, the low-hanging fruit, right? And mm-hmm. remember when iPhones came out way back in the day, iPhone number one, and there were apps, right? It was like the first introduction of apps. And there was this commercial. I think, I think Apple produced it. But they, they talked about, hey, if you want to look at a, go, go find a restaurant, there's an app for that. Or if you need a map, there's an app for that. And I think when most people start to venture into this world of, okay, I'm not going to put my money into a 401k, now Wall Street is throwing a bunch of other solutions at you. And it's kind of like there's an app for that. And I, at first, when I said, okay, I'm going to invest in a different way, I thought I'm going to invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. And Wall Street had an app for that. They had a solution for that to where... <laughs> I'm going to put money into a real estate investment trust fund, right? And I'm not really investing in real estate. It's just now my, my money's in a, in a different version of the market. And so right. we have to discard everything. We have to discard everything and approach money from a, a new standpoint. And when I started looking at money from a different standpoint, I realized historically there were some places that people had put money for years. And even today, for hundreds of years that have been successful, we call it a vault. But really, it's an investment-grade life insurance policy. And I'll never forget, I was getting my master's degree in finance at the time because I thought, okay, this is how I'm going to earn more money and put more money in the stock market. I'm gonna, everything's going to go faster. And when I learned about this vault, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. At first, I thought it was a lie. Second, I was pissed because I had never <laughs> heard about it before and no one knew about it. And then third, I realized this is where this idea that I'm being lied to is coming from. And so an investment-grade life insurance policy what it is. It's a policy. It's a place that you can put money and it builds up and, and grow. It's, it's, it's backed by an insurance company. And these insurance companies have been in business for hundreds of years. They predate the stock market. They predate the tax code. And you have to follow a specific tax rule. Uh, but if you follow that rule, then once your money's in this investment-grade life insurance policy, it starts to compound and grow. And like you said, Ellen, today it's about 5%. But the growth is 100% tax-free. So you're never taxed on the growth. Your money is not correlated to the stock market. So as I look at the market going up and down, up and down, it doesn't impact my money whatsoever. My money continues to compound and grow. But here's the most dynamic aspect of the vaults. The vault works kind of like a line of credit. So if you own a home, I think the easiest way to understand this, if you own a home and let's say the home is valued at $300,000 and let's say you only owe $100,000 on it. So there's $200,000 of value in that home. You equity, could right? To, equity, exactly. Yeah. You could go to the bank and say, hey, I've got this equity and will you give me a home equity line of credit? And a bank in almost every scenario will say yes. They will lend you money, give you money. They will then say, okay, look, if you don't pay that money back, we're going to take your home. So the bank is, is in control. The bank has protected the loan with the equity of your home. 
And a life insurance policy works the same way. The goal of these policies is not to have lots of death benefits. In fact, we want to buy the least amount of death benefit necessary to keep it qualified as life insurance for the tax reasons. But we want to build it up with this cash value. Once you have cash value in it, whether it's 5000 or $5 million, you can go to the insurance company and use your policy like a line of credit. And what that means, whatever cash value you have, you can leverage that cash and go out and do something with it. And you control it 100%. They don't ask you what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it. You control it 100%. So you can leverage the equity of your policy Go out and run your business, buy rental real estate, take your family on vacation, pay off student loans. And even though you're leveraging the equity of your policy, you'll still continue to earn the full compounding return on whatever cash value you have inside of the policy. So it gives you the ability to use leverage. Your money can literally work in two places at the same time. And again, when I first learned about this, I thought there's no way. But as I started doing my research... Today, banks... I mean, we think banks keep their money in banks to keep it safe. You know where banks keep their money? Billions of dollars in high cash value life insurance. Our president today and almost half of the elected politicians have millions of dollars in these type of policies. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, you name it, every billionaire out there, this is where they keep their money. That's incredible. I didn't know that piece, actually. That makes sense though. And by the way, I know that the first time, if this is your first time ever hearing about this concept, your mind might be like all over the place. Like, wait, what did he just say? Okay. So let's, let's break this down into even simpler terms. So basically what Ryan is illustrating for you guys here is that unlike the stock market or the IRA, um, where A, the results are outside of your control and B, you actually get penalized, right? Like for example, like if you withdraw money early from your 401k, you will, you will get penalized for that because it's, it's money meant to not be withdrawn until you retire, until age. It's not really your money. Right. (laughs) It's like you're, you're basically just like giving this money to an external entity until you're like 65. So A, you get penalized and B, I mean, when you're in a Roth IRA, obviously it's different. Your your money, your growth does grow tax free, but in most IRAs, it's you're going to get taxed when you withdraw that money eventually. That growth. But what Ryan is saying here is, okay, like let's say you have ten thousand dollars sitting in your vault or your policy, and it's earning five percent compounded interest, right? So it's secure there. It's making a steady rate of growth. And let's say you're like, you know, I'm going to let's use my business as an example. Let's say I am running Facebook ads, right? And I'm like, oh, I've I've hit on a great campaign. And I know that for every dollar I spend on ads, I'm getting $3 back in purchases. So this is my money working for me, right? I'm not trading any time for this. I'm just trading my money to get more money. So I'm like, okay, I, I need to go allocate $1,000 to my ads. So I go to my vault. I withdraw that $1,000 as a loan. But it doesn't deduct from my value of the policy. So on the surface level, my policy still has $10,000. It's not like when I took out the $1,000, all of a sudden, the balance decreased to $9,000. It's still $10,000, but I'm just taking out a $1,000 loan. Now that loan's interest is likely equal to or less than the interest that is actually accumulating on my vault all the time. So it's essentially like you're borrowing money for free (laughs) to work in two different places at once. But it's like that whatever time machine that Hermione uses to to learn twice as much because she's going to double classes and being in two places at once by you know reversing and jumping through time. 
it's essentially like that. Like instead of your money sitting in one place and doing one function, it's actually you're now dividing it into two functions. So you're able to multiply your efforts, multiply your wealth much quicker. Uh, so I hope that I hope I explained that correctly, right? If if I was I'm mistaken, you, I, I just want if if you are ever looking for an opportunity, you come over on the Cash Flow Tactics team. You are crushing it, Ellen. I love this. Thank you. That's a high honor. <laughs> that would be awesome. But that's exactly what it is. I mean, if you think about it, it's, you know, the leverage is the most powerful tool in finance, right? So you have to again going back to rise up. You have to understand how to use leverage because it's a double edged sword. It can work tremendously for you or against you, and it all depends on you. But if you understand how to use leverage, why not achieve a long-term goal of having your money steadily compounding and growing every single year and a short-term goal as well? Investing in your business, building up cash flow in real estate or whatever that might be, that's the power of the vault. The vault allows you to, like you said, divide your money just like Hermione did and be able to be in two places and working in two places at the same time. And if you think about it, when we talk about financial freedom in 10 years or less, the only way, the only way that that's going to happen is if your money is more productive. I'll never forget as I started to go down this rabbit hole of figuring out how the wealthy do what they do. Um, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the that very first, oh man, that's awesome. If yeah. you haven't read that book, that's where the game starts. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But the very first chapter that he wrote in there, I think the title of the chapter is Savers or Losers. And <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I've always been a good saver. That's never Same been a thing. challenge for me. And when I read that at first, it hurt my feelings. I'm like, what the heck? These guys rude. I mean, that's that's not right. But when he's talking about savers or losers, it goes back to where we started the conversation. The all, If all you're doing is putting your money in some account with your fingers crossed, hoping that it's going to work out, you inevitably are going to lose the game of finance. And the scary part about it, you're going to trade your most valuable resource, your time. You have to trade 30 or 40 years. And then only at the end do you find out, oh, I don't have enough money. It didn't work. So that's what he's talking about. With this, if you can have a like a 100% contractually guaranteed outcome in your policy and be able to leverage your money in the short term, now you're on track for long-term goals and short-term goals at the same time. That's the game. Yes. And you know, there that was such a good book and that was such an eye-opening book for me too because in college, my big goal was to graduate college debt free. Mm -hmm. And I did that through Dave Ramsey and his seven steps or, you know, his debt snowball, Dave all those things. I follow yeah. the same thing. Love it. Yes. And Dave is really, really great at one specific thing, and that is getting you debt free. He's yes. king of debt free. If yes. you are drowning in debt and you need to get a control of your finances and your budget, go to Dave for yes. advice. But that's where that's where Rich Dad, Poor Dad and other financial educators and leaders and thought leaders really changed my perspective is that that's kind of where his his zone of genius should stop right like yes. beyond that he's just promoting what all the other financial advisors are promoting which is put money in your 401k and he he talks about like a 15% return in the stock market which we all know is not a guaranteed and b not always realistic um even over the long run even if you're in it for the long haul but i think there is something to be said though for... And this is something I know that you termed ROI versus ROA. So return on investment versus return on attention. Yeah. And this idea of leverage versus being over leveraged, which I want to talk about next. But let's first talk about this idea of ROI versus ROA. So I know you describe return on attention as your peace of mind. So some people have higher risk tolerance than other people, right? Where they're willing to 
leverage themselves more. Whereas people like you and I were kind of savers at heart. We're a little bit frugal and we're like, you know what? We'd rather make a little less money, but be able to sleep peacefully at night, knowing that all of our you know, grounds are covered and, and our family is going to be okay and our bills are going to be paid. So talk Absolutely. a little bit about the difference between those two. Well, um, here's here's where it started for me. And, I, I, you know, I, I always kind of joke, people ask us how we created cash flow tactics. And I just say, I, we created it because I made every mistake in the book. And, you know, I finally learned some lessons. So here's here's how it works. Um, in the beginning, when I got this idea of financial freedom and I started to see a pathway to do it, I became just obsessed. I became so obsessed with this idea of financial freedom. And that idea was in the future. Okay, that idea was in the future. And I didn't give myself any permission to acknowledge what was happening in the present moment. And, you know, at the time I had young kids. I was married for, you know, for about five years at that time. And my family, my, my life was happening right in front of me. And I was literally blind to it. I didn't see any of it because I was mm-hmm. so focused on this future based destination that I realized over time I was actually missing the point. And what woke me up you know, life tends to give you exactly what you need. And if you look at life as an opportunity, I believe life happens for you. It's going to give you the exact experiences and people and things that you need if you're willing to, to learn the lessons that you need to learn. And uh, my oldest son, he was four at the time, and, you know, my oldest son was born with a heart defect and I, I knew about the heart defect, but we, we, you know, through doctor visits, I thought that it was getting better. And that was kind of the indication that we had. So I didn't stress about it that much, but you know, at this time I was doubling down. I had side hustles. I had a full-time career. I was getting my master's degree. I just had so much going on and I was throwing all of my money inside of the vault and buying real estate. And just, I was obsessed. I mean, if I went on a date, I wasn't really there. Like if I, I went on a date with my wife, I had a headphone in was, as we're watching a movie, listening to podcasts. I wasn't present at all. And, um, you know, I was up in rap or not rapid city. I was in Indianapolis. So I moved a lot with my career back in the day. And I lived in Indianapolis. My family stayed back in Texas because they were, you know, didn't want to continually move with me. And -hmm. I'll never forget. I got a call from my wife one day and she told me that my oldest son was going to need an emergency open heart surgery. And at that moment, honestly, I felt like a, a complete failure, Ellen, because everything that I cared about, I realized I wasn't a present father. I realized I wasn't a connected husband. And I kept telling myself I would come back and fix those things when I had enough money, when I was financially free. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I realized I was letting the return on investment dictate everything. And if we go back to that original conversation of what money is, money is just a tool. And it didn't matter if I had all the money in the world, if I lost everything I cared about, I didn't care anymore. And at that point, I, I, I started to figure out I had to find a way to both work towards a future destination, but to also live in the moment. And this is where this idea of return on investment and return on attention came from. I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of return on investment to have a better return on my attention right now. If I sleep better, if I'm more present with my family, if, if, um, you know, if I can travel with my family today, as long as I know I'm on track for long-term goals and I'm on that path to be, you know, to be free, it's just a level of, of, you know, rising up even more and more and more. There's no finish line in the game of life or in finance. So this idea of return on attention, I get to ask myself in money. Do I want to focus on my return on investment? And sometimes that might require my attention, my focus, my energy, my effort. You're building a business, you know what that requires. Or do I want to focus on my return on attention? And very often, I take money and I put it into a place that is not by the traditional world considered an investment. But when I invest in travel and spending time with my kids, and you know, we we just, uh, my kids are now, my the four-year-old who had a heart surgery 
luckily he came through okay and he's awesome and he's 14 now and so now he's a teenager and we we just barely doubled down and we we put in a big movie theater at our house so he would bring you know to ho- open up the idea that maybe he would bring his friends and you know that's so awesome that's like teenagers. a dream <laughs> yeah but that's that's the return on attention idea is i want to use money as a tool to build and live a life that i love not when i'm 65 but right now that's so powerful and i think earlier you brought up you know an excellent point in that all the time, you know, we're, we are taught to trade our time for money, time for money, but we often miss the point that time is way more valuable than money. You yeah. can always go make more money. Money is infinite in its, well, I mean, I guess if people really want to argue, it's not infinite, but it's, it's a renewable resource, right? Yes. Time is not. And we miss that point. And we are so willing to trade our time to get a little bit more money, but we, we forget that, you know, at the end of our lives, that's not what really mattered. And so I think that is such a beautiful way of, you know, describing how your own wake up call in your life really impacted how you view these two resources and what matters more to you in certain seasons of life and and impacts how you're looking at what you do day to day. Yeah. And to that point, I mean, this idea of leverage too, you know, you can just because you can calculate that the return on using leverage is better than not, that doesn't mean it's right, right? You Now you have to look at you emotionally and say, what do I want, right? Because again, go back to the beginning, money's just a tool. What do I want? And why does it matter to me? So in my game plan, I like to keep my personal life completely free of leverage. I don't like debt. I just don't like it. It stresses me out. And even though I know the return, I mean, you know, my business partner, Brad, he calculates everything. Yes. I know <laughs> I can get, but my return on attention is greater for me. So I don't like to have a mortgage. I don't like to have, you know, car payments. I don't like to have student debt. I don't like to have any of that. On my investment side, right, where I have my real estate, I'm willing to use a degree of leverage up to a certain point on that side. But I focus more on my return on attention and less on my return on investment. So that's it's just a way to to again go back to what you want because money is just a tool to help you get what you want if you know how to use it. Yes. And I think that's such a great point you made that it is a personal choice. Some people do want that greater ROI, right? And they and they may not care as much about the ROA. And and there's many factors that impact that. Like for example, like what Ryan was just saying for you guys listening about about having no mortgage, right? He he has a family, he has kids. He wants to make sure first and foremost that they are taken care of, right? So he's not going to sacrifice the peace and security of his family for extra dollars on on the side. But for someone in a totally different situation like maybe, you know, maybe you're maybe you're in your 20s and you're single and you don't have a lot of risk riding on your back, right? Your choices only impact you and if in your case, if you have $20,000 to invest, maybe your best choice is not to pay down your mortgage because, yes. you know, your, your home loan is such a low interest, right? Like it, it's, it, you don't need your money just sitting, sitting there in your mortgage. You could make better use of that money by leveraging it somewhere else to make greater returns that can then actually in turn allow you to pay off your mortgage even faster. So it's about understanding where you are in your life. And again, going back to what do you want and and being able to filter all of your choices through that lens. Um, and Ellen, you're such a powerful way to put that. Because, you know, again, I, I didn't start, you know, eliminating debt in the beginning. I started owning my time. That was where I focused. And I, at that point, I was willing to carry low interest rate debts mm-hmm. to build cash flow. 
Once I had enough cash flow, then I could ask myself, because you know our other business partner, Jimmy, Jimmy has over a hundred properties and all mm-hmm. of his properties are leveraged. I, I decided to stop at around 30 and only have half of them leveraged because for me, I didn't need more of that. I wanted to then focus it. Once I own my time, I wanted to focus on my attention. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And leverage and cash flow, these are like two of the most powerful words that I have really gotten to understand better because of you guys, because of cash flow tactics. So I want to spend our last couple minutes just talking about that. Obviously, your vehicle of choice for leverage for building cash flow is is real estate and more specifically rental real estate. Something that I want to dive a little deeper into is I think when a lot of people hear about uh, real estate investment, they think of they think of the shows like flip or flop, right? Like yeah. you're going out, you're buying these gross homes <laughs> and you're re- rehabbing them and, and selling them at profit. And one thing, and that's what I thought too, honestly, when I, when I used to think of real estate investing, which, you know, is one form, I guess, of real estate investing. But again, what you guys taught me there is that is also, again, relying more on speculation because you are depending on the house appreciating in value in order mm-hmm. for you to actually get a profit or get cash flow from that transaction. Whereas the way you guys approach um, real estate investing, it's not, it's not dependent on what the market says this house is worth, but on what, what is a roof over someone's head worth to them, right? Like yes. what what are people willing to pay to have a space to live in? And that's a lot more reliable and steady. So talk a little bit about... I know there's not enough time to go into the, the details, but talk a little bit about why your version of real estate investing is different based on you know the four pillars. Totally. So Ellen, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, most people, when they think of real estate investing, they're not really investing. They're going to go out and get a job in real estate. And that's exactly what I did in the beginning. I thought if I find property, if I rehab it, if I renovate it, if I rent it, if I sell it, then I'll make money. And that's a, that can be a great way to make money. But if we go back to the, the purpose, like how do we know if we're winning in our financial plan? It's when you own your time. And if all you're doing is trading more time in real estate and you're trading time in a job, you know, for me, I, I bought three properties and I realized I now have two jobs. I have less time. I'm, I'm going the opposite way of what I thought I wanted to do. So it's really more than anything about building a system that will deliver a consistent stream of cash flow to you. So it's understanding what you need to buy, where you need to buy it, and how you need to buy it to ensure that you can pay people to find the property, to rehab the property, to renovate the property, to collect the rent on the property, to do all the things required. And then you're kind of like the CEO. You're the one managing to expectations. I still, still, it's not, I can't close my eyes. I still spend about three to five hours a month managing a portfolio of 30 properties. Mm -hmm. But now I get passive income coming in every single month. Now I pay people to do the work and I've factored in what those costs are and how much I need to buy the property and how much I need to rent the property to still generate the profit that I'm, I'm willing to accept. Then at that point, once I know what I'm looking for and I know what I want, boom, I just double down. And I double down and I stay laser focused on buying the right type of property in the right way with the right system to deliver me cash flow so I own my time. I love that. Real quick, can you just list the four pillars. And you guys, he's probably not going to have time to explain this all for you. But if you're interested in learning more about this, like if if this preview has intrigued you, please like go join their free Facebook group. We'll link it below. Um, What is it? It's just Cashflow Tactics, right? I think that's just Cashflow Tactics. 
Yeah. And they give so much free value in that group, guys. It's insane. Like I, I honestly don't know how they do it for free. So get in while you can. Join that group and you're going to learn so much more about this. But real quick preview, Ryan, like what are the four things you look at when you're investing in real estate? Yeah. So when we started putting this idea of cash flow tactics together, we wanted to build a formula, a system that people could say, okay, what's step one, what's step two, so on and so forth. So the first thing you have to understand, like we talked about earlier, is 97% of what you think you know about money is dangerous, misleading, or wrong. Now that sounds fun to say it, but if we stop there, then we've just left everyone on a big cliffhanger. So what is the 3% that actually works to get you free in 10 years or less? So we have two different mechanisms that we help people evaluate where they're going to put their money. One is called the core four. The other one is called the four pillars. And here's... Man, this blew my mind, Ellen. Again, I was when I was learning this, I've just felt so deceived. <laughs> but if you think about it, when you invest, there are four ways that you can potentially make money. Okay, now most people they only make money in one, but you can make money through appreciation, buying an asset at one price, hoping that it goes up to a higher price. That's the stock market. We don't control that. And then that's the long-term game of hoping that everything works out. But if you do things the right way, you can also buy an asset that not only appreciates, but that delivers positive cash flow to you. And at the same time, the tax code is really written like a treasure map. Most people are afraid of the tax code, but the tax code is written to incentivize behavior. The IRS uses the tax code to say, look, if you do certain things like run a business, like own rental real estate, they'll give you tax deductions. So now if we know what the four pillars are, I can buy an asset that goes up in value, appreciates, that generates positive cash flow, that allows me to eliminate taxes through tax deductions and then allows me to use leverage. Those are the four pillars. And if you put all four of those together in an investment, now if we go back to your money doing multiple jobs, now your money's working and earning a rate of return in multiple ways. This is how things start to go fast. I mean, when we say financial freedom in 10 years or less, it's not just throw darts against a dartboard and hope it works out. You have to focus on the few assets that will help you go fast and actually reduce your risk in doing so. Amazing. So every single one of those factors, right? They layer on top of each other and they push you faster, further. And it's so important to understand when you are investing in something to look at it through the lens of those four things. Am I only winning in one area or can I combine more than one factor to improve my results? So that was such a great explanation in like two minutes. That's amazing, right? Thanks, Ellen. (laughs) So this, this has been so enlightening again for me. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I learned something new. And again, for those of you who are interested in learning more about how to be financially free and actually, you know, own your results, rise up, live free, definitely check out all the links in the show notes and the blog post. We're going to send you their way so that you can learn all the things. And the last question I just wanted to end on, Ryan, is what does being a CEO mean to you? Mm, Being a CEO to me means that I have unique gifts, talents, and abilities. And if I can live a life of purpose, that's my version of financial freedom. It's not to sit on a beach. There's some of that. But I find fulfillment when I'm exercising my talents and abilities in the service of other people. And being a CEO to me allows me to be at the top to say, look, what do I want to create? How do I want to serve? And how can I make sure that my most valuable resource, my time, is utilized in the best possible way to create value you and bring fulfillment to me. I love it. As the guys at Cashflow Tactics always say, if you want more money, go create more values. So I hope that's what you guys do today. And Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ellen. I hope you enjoyed that last episode. And thanks so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like us to answer raw and uncut on this podcast? 
All you need to do is head over to the Apple Podcast and do three simple things. Number one, leave a rating and review telling us what you think of the podcast. Number two, in that review, ask anything you want related to your path to becoming financially free. And third, if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then listen in to hear your questions answered live, raw, and uncut. Join us next time on the Rise Up Live Free Podcast.